Good day, everyone. I'm Natalie Bott, and you're listening to It's All Light. I'm excited for our guest today. We have Spencer Yamada. Hey, how's it going, everybody? So tell us a little bit about yourself, Spencer. Uh, yeah, I, just, I, could, I could do this all day, so I'll try to sit with the highlights. Um, so I'm a native of New York City. I grew up in Manhattan. Fun. Have you ever, ever heard of that place? <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, most recently, I've been uh, working on a, a, a PhD, and I study theoretical philosophy and psychology. Wow. Um, and I work in the space of business leadership and ethics and um i have a patent on a medical device and no way I like, to, I like to ski and um yeah i don't know that's a i like cake cake is good what flavor of cake gigantic i just like big mm, I like i'm a quant a... i'm a quantity kind of guy you know quantity like, just a big cake yes please speaking of big cakes i was showing my sisters and my dad we had a little daddy daughter date night and we were i don't know talking about cake and my friend did culinary school and she made like an eight tier wedding cake for her own wedding and like stood up on a ladder to cut it but i'm like i kind of want an eight tiered beautiful wedding cake anyways yeah cake cake can be good if it's done right it can be delicious i love that that's a fun fact you also said you play ice hockey was that a big thing in new york city no yeah and so the answer to that is no mm. uh when you walk into the subway with a hockey stick everyone starts checking for the exit um oh really well they just don't know just how crazy like, you uh, are yeah oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah i get that um no so the truth the story there is actually i was born in canada ah. and i moved to new york when i was a little kid so i learned to play hockey in recess at school dual um, citizenship then you're canadian yes yes i am cool that's awesome um, and your PhD, which I'm sure we'll touch on bits of bits and pieces of that in today's episode. How cool. Yeah. Um, okay, so now to the topic of this podcast, what do you light up about? Yeah, I think um, that's a really good question because it assumes some things, right? Yeah. Um, you're assuming light is good, for example, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, if you have, uh, what's the skin disease where you get cancer, right? <laughs> or um, uh, it's, it's like it's like a weird genetic condition where if any sunlight touches you, you get cancer like immediately. Oh. Like that could be, if you know, light couldn't necessarily be good there, right? Wow. Or, um, or sometimes uh, we speak of light metaphorically in terms of, you know, inspiration or revelation or oh, some yeah. sort of epiphany, some sort of darkness going away. But sometimes we don't always we don't always like what we find. The things come to light we wish they hadn't, or mm. all of a sudden we're assuming responsibility for things that we weren't ready for or weren't anticipating. Um, Interesting. But uh, I think I think like deep down I have uh, this this kind of uh, way of thinking about the world that I find really. I've like honed over years, both personally as well as professionally, you know, honed by my mentors and, and uh, my reading and those kind of things in my research. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just really like um, thinking differently about things. If I ever have the chance to be like, what if we, this is all wrong and we should do it differently, then I get kind of excited about that. Yeah. Uh, like, I, the convention really annoys me and um like just because something's the way we've always done it that gets on my nerves um, mm-hmm. i love the opportunity to say like whoa there's something cool here nobody's seen before 
a chance to see things differently or think about things differently. So, so kind yeah. of explore things from new sides or bring up things that people haven't ever thought about. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think that's like, you know, deep down in my role as a teacher in my role as an educator and my roles as, you know, opportunities I've had to mentor and coach. Like that's what really gets me excited when I help somebody else expand the way they can see the world and think about the world that they're mm-hmm. in and the problems they're facing. Um, so yeah, that's probably, that's how, probably how I'd answer that. That's how yeah. that lights me up. Yeah. We talk about like expanding our vision and perspective at work a lot. Why do you think it's important for people to do that? I, I think a better question might be answered, right? What are the costs for failing to do so? Right. What would like, be the, de- what would be the damage done if you, if you mm-hmm. refused to adopt a new way of thinking um, or be open or be open-minded in general. Yes. Or be open-minded in general. Right? Yeah. Okay. I and, like that. And, the, and the reality and what, what you, what you end up as uh, I had a mentor call it a stimulus response meat machine. Okay. And so it's a way of thinking about a human being where all you are is responding to the world around you and not proactively living with agency and choices. Um, and so mm. if you're unwilling to change your perspective, to see things differently, to learn a new way of doing things, you're going to be forced to respond the way you've always responded. Oh, that's, and, yeah. And, and so we talk about being in a rut. We talk about, um, you know, not you know, people who are, who, are, who are closed-minded or those kind of things. But the reality is, is like, um, you, uh, the reality is, is that you're going to start living your life in a way where you've lost control and you've given your control over to the, the world you've chosen to believe. And Interesting. That is a, and that is a terrible and scary place to be because you don't realize you're there. Yeah. It's, in, it, it's an invisible prison. Huh. Where you kind of lose your freedom. You've lost your freedom and you don't even know yeah. that you've lost it. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. It's, Lot, it's... Deep thought, honestly. <laughs> like how I'm like sitting here like trying to process. I'm like, yes. <laughs> and if you were to explain that to me as if I were five, <laughs> how would you say that? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's like uh, if you were five and you had a favorite uh, video game, it's like you're choosing not to play any other game and you think there's only one game to play. And all you're going to do is play the same game and not realize there's other, there's other options. Hmm. Interesting. I'm going to pivot to another topic we'll touch on later, but in relation to like the dating game and options, why is that such a problem for us? So, um, my, my perspective is that it isn't a historically we're not having a more troubled time with this than in the past we're, we are not having a we troubled are not. time interesting not. maybe this yeah. goes back to perspective right yeah. okay yeah. keep going <laughs> yeah so i think i think we have this I, I think it's a false assumption to say oh we're because of the societal norms the options we have the way culture is set up the expectations that are around us or not around us have created a unique mix of poison for successful dating. Um, and the reality is, is that at every stage of, the, of history, it's complicated, it's hard, and it's tricky. And the culture's always been something annoying to, to deal with. 
Our and, Utah culture, you mean? Specifically? In, right. In, right. If you want, like, like, where would Jane Austen be if dating wasn't hard? I love right. Jane Austen. <laughs> right. But like, like it wasn't but like yes. it was boring back then, you know, she, you know, like, like, like pride of, that was pride and prejudice. That was not easy. That was not simple. That was not, you know, there was, that mm-hmm. was complicated. Was yeah. Complicated. And so if you, if you were to put, you know, all of time and place and history up on the wall and throw a dart, close your eyes and throw a dart, wherever it would land, dating would be hard. Um, and so, I think we need to rid ourselves of that, of a bit of a victim mentality that I think it creeps into. Like our it's world. so much harder now. Like why yeah. can't we, why is no one dating and getting married? I fall into that sometimes because something does feel off, which we can talk about later, but keep going. Yeah. Well, I, I would say it always feels off. Hmm. It's, it's called a historicism where you think you're an exception to history. Um, hmm. And uh, yeah, the reality, it's kind of like a, a strange version of time discrimination where you <laughs> where you <laughs> you think you think everything else is better way back then right it was, it was better back then you know back in the golden age it was better is easier and um, i mean i think of that sometimes but i also think about like learning from the past right they're like history not learned is history repeated or whatever that quote is and yeah. Like it should be in a sense easier. And maybe some people would argue with dating apps, it is easier because then you can meet more people and find a better match or I don't know. There's just a lot of like, I think technology has changed things, but like you said, every, every period of time had its own unique struggles. So we do have our unique struggles that feels hard for us, but it would feel hard to anyone. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's unique and new struggles. I don't Mm -hmm. think uh, they're, uniquely hard um Hmm. i don't uh i think it's certainly different right Mm -hmm. but but also we also we relate we read jane austen we read pride and prejudice and we're like i relate to these people this feels familiar you know like i get that you know like and so it's 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 not that different and the thing is is that the reality is is we don't learn from history Hmm. people do not learn from history and and no, I, history was my undergraduate degree. You would oh, okay. never, you would never find a serious historian that says history repeats itself or that history, uh, that those who fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat its mistakes. Um, okay. Because it, 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 it assumes that you interpreted it correctly and you assume there is a correct interpretation. Like the lesson here is this, but reality is, is there's tons of possible lessons we could possibly learn from anything in the past. And it doesn't necessarily mean it's the lesson. And if we didn't learn that right one lesson, we're going to make that same mistake. Hmm. Well, and um, there's a bajillion lessons we have to learn through every date we go on, through every relationship. Yeah. Like there's just new lessons and we build our own personal That's history. Right. Yeah. We, we learn from our experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're not very good at learning from the experiences of other people. That's not how we process and grow as, as individuals. But we can to some degree, right? we can yeah i mean it's not a reliable way Hmm. what percentage would you say we can learn from someone else is experience someone else's experience two or three percent whoa really that low whoa Mm -hmm. 
So what about like self-help books? Like how helpful are they actually? I, I have a strong opinion against help self-help books. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I, um, I can sometimes see the point to them. It's really more <laughs> like, even though it's self-help, it's even more just entertainment. If you're reading stories or principles and like, sometimes they're just hard to apply to your life. I feel like. Yes. I think that's, that's accurate. I think um, uh, they're certainly not evil, right? And I've certainly right. read a couple that I thought were like, oh, I, that was nice. Totally. Um, I find it's challenging to actually engage in this process of, of self-help. I find that a slightly oxymoronic idea. Okay. Where we think we can fix ourselves. Hmm. Where we think... Uh, we call it, there's this uh, Native American um, uh, a saying, it says, we see through the darkness in our own eyes, right? And so the idea is, is that if we're broken, if we're undeveloped, if we're not quite where we want to be, we're going to view our problems from within the perspective that is creating the problems. Mm-hmm. So we're going to say like, oh, I'm not good at this issue, or say, oh, I'm really bad at saying thank you or I don't know, some sort of character flaw or like whatever it may be. The reality is, is that our flawed character is making the judgment about what is flawed about itself. The story we're telling ourselves. Exactly. Yeah. The storyteller is broken and it's trying to fix itself based on the story it's telling itself. So mm. I call it like, it's like, you ever have a car with a broken check engine light? Mm. Right? Like you can't trust it, you know, like. Until mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. You're like, is it actually or not? Yeah. And so this is this kind of segues into a lot of my research about yeah. about how we grow and develop and learn. Um, there's different ways to talk about the data or the studies, but the way I like to think about it is we need a mechanic to actually change and grow. So and like adopt other people. Oh, through other people. Okay. Keep going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What was your thought though? Uh, I was thinking like we have to become the mechanic ourselves, but you you answered it. It's through yeah. other it's through other people. So in order to grow and self improve, we need other people. Yeah, I think that's accurate. I think that we uh, if you wanted to uh, how far back in history do you want to go? But um, <laughs> there's a guy named Plato, and then um, <laughs> there's this guy named Descartes, and uh, mm-hmm. basically what ended up happening is. Uh, Western civilization, okay, so when we talk about everything that came out of the Enlightenment, for lack of a better term, right, so uh, came up with this idea that the human being is a collection of attributes okay. that, that exist of itself. So say, I am smart, I am kind, I am strong, I am weak, I am hungry. Like right? who we became came from these attributes. Yeah, that's right. Okay, and interesting. So, it, it, it call, it's called atomism is the way of looking at it, but the way that the human being is a self-contained kind of nugget, right? Like, like oh, it's, it sends hearts when I do that. <laughs> I love that. Okay, so yeah. atomism, like A-T-O-M-I-S-M. Yeah. Yeah. Like an atom, like an atom of matter. Not right? Adam and Eve Adam. Okay, Adam. No, yeah, yeah. atom. 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 Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Okay, atom. so... Explain that again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so basically, it said, if uh, what would a human being be if it was all alone? 
Oh. And we would, and so according to atomism, so we would be nothing. Oh, we would we be would whatever be, we tell ourselves we are. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Or we we would say, oh, we're smart, we're kind. I'm strong. I'm weak. I'm good at math. I'm bad at math. You know, whatever, whatever it may be. Um, and so we think that becoming more a more full and complete human being has turned into us improving ourselves through our attributes. So to become a better human, I need to be stronger. I need to be kinder. I need to be, I need to fix this problem in my character, right? Um, and hmm. the challenge of that is that we don't actually work that way. We actually work through the relationships we form with other people. Oh, I, I love that. So you don't believe in affirmations, waking up, looking at yourself in the mirror and telling yourself, I am strong, I am beautiful, I am kind. I don't for a number of reasons. The mm. first being they repeated those studies and found that they weren't strict statistically significant results. Wow. And that professor lost their tenure at Harvard, for example. Whoa. Um, and uh, I certainly don't think it's harmful to give yourself right. a little pump no. up in the morning, right? No, if you not need that. harmful, but not yeah. like statistically proven to change your life. No. Or yeah, how you believe a, about yourself. Yeah, exactly. So what it comes down um, to is your relationship with other people. Okay, no, you can keep going. Sorry. Yeah, that's right. And so, and so this is from the point of view of what we we call the Eastern tradition, mm -hmm. of, and it's, we call it relationalism as opposed to atomism. So mostly, we get this in our world through Jewish philosophers and Jewish thinkers, and especially Jewish thinkers who are influenced by the Old Testament and the, their cool. Talmudic writings. Love that. Um, and so you can, we can go religious if you want, but the idea is, is that if you want to be a more complete human being, complete your relationships, have more full and fulfilling and meaningful relationships and grow through your relationships and not worry about your own self, mm -hmm. but worry about the relationships you have with other people. Oh, I love that. Yeah. What helps um, you? I know you could keep going, but I want to <laughs> ask you a quick question. What yeah. helps you build those relationships in your own life? Yeah, so there's, you know, there's positive and negative. The word is heuristic, if you want a big word, but like methods, mm -hmm. right? We say mm -hmm. like get rid of, getting rid of the bad and then building the good. Okay. Um, and so I think the easiest thing to do is to get rid of the bad. And so for me, what this looked like was thinking like deep down, like what are those relationships that I've hung on to that I have poisoned? What are the grudges I've hung on to? What are the... Um, uh, you know, the people I haven't forgiven, what are the, you know, who are the people I'm harming now, even yeah. if I don't really mean to be, um, and healing those relationships, it doesn't necessarily mean I'm engaging in, you know, uh, you know, becoming buddy-buddy with somebody who is going to abuse me or hurt me, right, that doesn't, that's not a healthy relationship, um, but, you know, that might mean forgiving somebody that really let me down, like, even if I don't tell them, like, in my heart, say, like, they were really were trying their best, you know, or somebody right now that I could be taking advantage of to say, wow, I'm really just using this person for my own purposes. Like, I'm not really using them as a human, treating them like a human being. They're just somebody to help me get advanced in my career. I'm just dating this person just because they look cool and my friends think that's awesome, right? Mm. Or, or, you know, those kind of things. And so getting rid of the, any kind of negativity or, like, that poison or that, that anxiety Getting rid of that just lets the good things flourish. 
I feel like kind of we get the weeds out and mm -hmm. the good stuff kind of grows. Yeah. You know? my, um, so that's that's my experience at least. Yeah. My coworker literally sent me something like that today. I was just was asking a lot of people in the office, like, "Hey, what are you grateful for today?" And she literally was like, "I'm grateful for relationships and like surrounding myself with people who also want to improve, and just like building each other up in that direction." So that's it's really cool. Tell us, tell me more about how you personally do this in your life. Like, so you were kind of were saying step one, take an inventory of maybe the people in your life, the relationships in your life that you either want to work on or get rid of, right? Yeah, for sure. What else? So the next step is that you interpret your place and role and responsibilities in the world in terms of those relationships. And functionally, what that looks like is you just do what you say you're going to do. Do what you say you're going to do in in relation to other people. Exactly. Yeah. So do you ever have you, do you ever met these people who who always make these promises? They say they'll do certain things. They'll be there, you know, and you're like deep down. You're like, they're not going to do it. You're like, there's no way. Sometimes do you that's trust, me. Yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> but like, have you ever noticed that like people who don't do what they say they're going to do have trouble thinking clearly through problems? Most likely. Yeah, and it's weird to think about it. Like people who struggle um, making common sense life decisions and managing their resources and moving forward in their lives also just have trouble keeping their commitments. Um, and so it's gaining that skill of doing everything you're saying you're going to do, but also communicating and setting expectations instead of just saying, yeah, no, I'll do it, I'll do it. They'll say, like, ooh, I want to. And I'm kind of overbooked. Oh. Let me get back to you, right? Right we talked about pet peeves today at work and one of my friends was like, I have a pet peeve when someone said they were going to do something and then say, Oh, sorry, I didn't do it. And she's like, just say you, did, you didn't make time for it. You know, like kind of owning yeah. up to like, yeah. not being and, reliable. Just apology to say, you know, I'm like, I'm really so sorry. Excited. I didn't make time for it. Yeah. yeah. Instead of saying, Oh, I didn't get to it or, Oh, I forgot about it. It's like, you can own up to and just say you didn't make time for it. Um, yeah. this reminds me of Brene Brown, the braving acronym and, it's, I think that's what it is. It's like with your relationships with other people, you have to kind of go through this acronym of like boundaries, reliability. I can't remember the rest, but have you ever studied that? I haven't used that particular tool. Um, I think that you kind of uh, fall and figure out how to see the world this way mm -hmm. and you shouldn't jump to the end. What way? So seeing the world in terms of your relationships to others. Okay, but you can't jump. And seeing yourself in terms of your relationships to others. I don't think it's a good idea just to say, oh, I'm going to see everything in terms of how I connect to other people. Okay. So I think I think this first step is to say, like, how can I get rid of these poisonous, these, yeah. these relationships that are poisonous? And then going from there, just, just, just letting yourself grow through that process. Like, what's the next thing I need to do? It, it'll come to you, kind of. Hmm. You realize it and, and you kind of accept it. And like you were saying, reliability might be one of those natural next steps. Yeah, yeah. I don't believe in jumping to the end of growth processes, right? Hmm. If you ever realize, you know, you go to the grocery store and you look at some fruit and you're like, that did not grow normally, you know? <laughs> like, like that, that's got some, yeah, uh, yeah you know, it's like, that is not in season. There's no way it should be that red, you know? That's right. Crazy, you know? I think that we need to do the same things. And I think that's the problem with the self-help books is they try to get us to, to, to yeah. skip steps. 
instead of like engaging in the process, the nitty gritty of, of learning and growing. So, yeah, yeah, the nitty gritty. That's something I'm trying to learn about because I'm I'm kind of in this crossroads where it's like I know I want to be improving and self improving and and I think I found my answer of okay, check in with all my relationships and that includes yeah. my relationship with myself. But yeah, so I, a true a hardcore relation relation relationist would say thinking about your relationship with yourself mm-hmm. is actually a form of narcissism. <gasps> oh. Okay, maybe I should not do that. Yeah. Now think about that, right? It's basically saying um, I'm going to, because a uh, relationship with the self is actually splitting yourself in half hmm. on purpose. You're saying, oh, there's part of me that's going to figure out what the other part of me is like. Yeah. And so from what standpoint are you connecting with yourself? What's, you have this yourself, but what's the other bit? What are you stepping outside of, right? And so, um, so it's, it's literally to let, uh, let your, 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 your concern with who you are becoming fade away. Just let it drift away. You know, this isn't, Mm. this isn't, this isn't about, and we should, we certainly don't need to be unnecessarily hard on ourselves. And there's certainly times we need to be self-reflective. Um, and we need to have a general positive opinion of ourselves and those kind of things, but like figure that out. Uh, and then let it drift away and then focus on other people. When you focus on other people, then the real growth happens when you aren't noticing. It comes to you. You find yourself when you lose yourself. And that is, yeah, so that's the scriptural term, but that's the interpretation of that. If you seek to build your own life. Focus on others. There's, there's a fine line between that and narcissism. I don't know it. I, I just stay away from that line as far as I can. Okay, this might be this might be what I need for 2024 because even my therapist and I were chatting about I'm like, okay, you know, like what do I do with my life? What do I want to work on? How do I want to improve? You know, but that really is just thinking all about yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and there's a time and a place don't not think about yourself. Right, you have to be self-aware. Yeah, you do. You do. And especially you have to be self-aware of how you are impacting other people and the relationships you're forming. Right. People won't remember what you said, but they'll remember how you feel. And I mean, exactly. yeah. most how to win friends and influence people, seven habits. A lot of yeah. those do focus outward. I feel yeah. like seven habits at least helps you build, build a foundation just for your own life so that you can be set up to help others. Yeah. So that's yeah. like one I believe self-help book wise, but. Yeah, it's a great book. Great principles for sure. But the rest though, I mean, yeah, so. We're kind of running low on time, but what are some ways to build the, some more ways to build these relationships with others? Like, do you have a list that always runs through your head or what helps you <laughs> keep this in mind? Yeah. So again, I can't, I'm not interested. I don't, I don't have them and I can't give them to you really, but you know, the shortcuts, I don't have them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We just got to try. <laughs> yeah. And so I think what I can tell you though, is that, um, your most meaningful, challenging, heart-wrenching growth will come once you um, put just put aside your self-interest in growth and focus on what it means to be connected to other people. And it can be some of the hardest the hardest things I've ever done in my entire life was forgive some people that I didn't want to. Mm. Forgive some people who didn't deserve it, who hadn't earned it. 
And I had to give them a sense of charity, a sense of, um, of, of you know, grace, a sense of um, warmth and kindness when they had given me nothing to earn that. Wow. That, yeah. that is like the hardest thing I ever did in my life. In, and that in, built your character. Do you know what a burden it is that I had been carrying for all those years? That little mm. bit of anger that's always been inside me. Mm. And and letting that go, man, it, sure, it feels like you're flying. Hmm. I feel like I... This this is going to be funny. I'll look back on this moment and be like, oh, Natalie, you were so you were so dumb. But I feel <laughs> like I haven't really ever struggled with that. Like, I feel like I've either been blessed that people haven't wronged me super bad that I've wanted to not forgive them. But I remember once I was like, oh, I've never felt the need to study humility. Like, I feel like I didn't struggle with that. But then like that in and of itself, I was like, oh, maybe I should figure out what humility means and is because of that comment. So I feel like this could be maybe similar like maybe I just haven't wanted to because it's hard and maybe my brain's like, I eh, know you're fine. You don't need to dive into that because <laughs> why? Cause like off the top of my head, I'm like, I don't think I have grudges against really anyone, anyone. Yeah, well, so I'm like lucky, but I'm like, also what could I be missing here? Yeah. By all means, I, sorry. Yes. Okay. By all means, don't, uh, don't go finding things that aren't there. Right. <laughs> right. Oh, totally. <laughs> but, um, uh, it, it, so let's, to me, you'd be, we call you like kind of level two, like, all right, you let go of the baggage. It's time to let the good things grow, right? Let the good things grow. Um, and so uh, I would, for someone in your situation, which is an awesome situation, congrats. Well, we'll um, see if I'm actually there, <laughs> but thank you. Yeah, but um, uh, the challenge then isn't getting rid of the bad relationships, but building the truly good ones. And that I for sure know is something I want to do. Yeah. And so yeah. that might be the great struggle that now you get to engage in. And I think everyone wants that generally. Yeah. So yeah, I, it's hard when people have had harder relationships with like family members and it's hard to like relate to that or dive into that or their journey through it all. Like, I don't know. Is there any way we could help people who might be struggling with those relationships? Yes. So um, what ends up happening is that when we see people in terms of who they really are, they will tell us what they need. If you can let go of your preconceptions of somebody, your judgments, even your advice for them, if you can let go of trying to fix them, when you see somebody as somebody so meaningful and powerful that you don't want them to change, mm. the relationship you have will open the door for how you can enhance and protect who they really are. Which and helps so people it, feel safe in a way, right? Is that what you're saying? Will, it's beyond that. That's mm. exactly the right direction, but it's beyond that. Have you ever just like had a, you have, you have, you have dear friends, somebody you like, your, your, your homie, your BFF, right? Do you ever just with that person get a sense like, I need to do this for them? Sometimes, I yeah. Them. I mean, does that, did that come from, it's, it speaks to you. It comes to you. Mm -hmm. 
Or like, do you ever have a, a, a conversation with somebody and like don't know what to say and you just start talking and words come out and it's just the right thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Not and as so often you, as I'd like, but I, I like, I like right. when that happens. If it does. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. Yeah. And so the, if you go in, if you engage a relationship with somebody to try to fix them, that's not authentic. So you have to engage with them as a human being for who they really are and their potential and, and their infinite possibilities for connection themselves. And when you can do that, you will do, you will know what and how you, your responsibility is to protect and enhance that person. It'll come from your relationship. Hmm. The more authentic your relationship, the more meaningfully you will have a perception and a discernment for how you can protect and help them. Which, which is the mindset of with every relationship you have in your life, how can you give versus what can you get? Yeah. Yeah. Or grow oh. the, yeah, exactly right. And, and to grow it, always be focusing. Growing is giving probably. Yes. Okay. Yeah, wow. Precisely. This is awesome. Yeah. And I feel like people have maybe heard things similar to this, but like yeah. to know that like statistically and through your PhD and research, like this is, this is it. Yeah. And I think what we have in the world is, you know, if we were just, if someone were to walk up to you and say, by the way, the most important thing in your life should be your relationships. That wouldn't blow you away. You'd be like, yeah, right. totally. Right. I agree. So my work is about explaining why. I like that. We'll, we'll definitely need a part two because I could go on and on. I still have so many questions, but we're going to end on this quote that you put in the form. Do you, do you want me to read it or do you have it? Pulled yeah, up? let her rip. I don't have it pulled okay. up. Yeah, go ahead. So it's, and this is more on the spiritual side. So I got Spencer on here because he spoke in church and did a great job and I wasn't there, but Julie told me about it. And then I just was like, Hey, do you want to be on the podcast? So yeah. here is the quote. Repentance is not as much about fixing rebellious behaviors as it is changing our attitude toward the giver of the commandments. Faith isn't about believing invisible truth, but being faithful to someone we can love and trust, even when he doesn't seem very trustworthy. He is worthy of our trust, and he likes to show us how powerful and loving he is by providing deliverance from seemingly impossible situations. Yeah, so I can unpack that a little bit, maybe. <laughs> so. I think the, the, the key word there is talk about like, what do we mean by faith? Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes because we're Western, right? We come from this enlightenment, enlightenment phase and we think in terms of knowledge, like my knowledge, the things I know. And so oftentimes we talk about faith is believing things that aren't proven, right? We believe it until science proves it, right? Or, right. or a, a fact that we understand, right? And so the question that we should be asking isn't, we should I, what is the opposite you know Natalie what's the opposite of faith what would you say the, the answer to that would be doubt okay good right doubt and that's in terms of knowledge right oh I doubt the reality or the truth of something right? mm -hmm. and so uh, for those of us who come from a judeo-christian background right who, who read scripture we see the word faith mm -hmm. very very rarely does faith ever connect in relation to the opposite of doubt and fear or knowledge hmm. in if you were to go ask an ancient jewish person what is the opposite of faith they would say unfaithful hmm. 
and we think of unfaithful in terms of an unfaithful spouse, right, or an unfaithful contract. Mm-hmm. Right? That's a re- right. that's a re- that's a relationship term that we have with other people. Unfaithful. And so when God says, "I want you to have faith in me," part of it is believing He exists, right? That helps. <laughs> but the true nut, the true meat of the matter is, do we connect with Him on a personal and relationship level? Hmm. Are we um, faithful to Him or in, to that exactly. relationship? Precisely. Mm, I love that. And so, and so when we read the Old Testament and talk about covenantal Israel, mm-hmm. um, it's always in terms of our relationship to the divine the great the great being and how does god define himself and especially in the old testament do you remember how, he, how what he calls himself i am yes exactly okay, the great I... I am no what, <laughs> nice like, job right? you crushed it yeah yeah <laughs> yes thank nice you job, right that's and we'd say jehovah or yeah, yahweh mm-hmm. right yahweh the, yeah the, the great i am mm-hmm. or another interpretation is the self-existent one Hmm. Interesting. And so by his love, by God's love, his connection, do we exist? We exist because in relation to him, who is the self-existent one, and we are yes. connected. And so the question, right, is that we'd say, like, so who are you, Matt? And who are you? God's you? daughter. <laughs> exactly, right? Uh... Did you... It's a relationship. Mm-hmm. You just described a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I like that. I like that yeah. a lot. Driving... So it's not, yeah, yeah. Again, about... that idea of faith. Yeah. Faithful. I like that. Driving here, there was a sign just on the fence and it said, God loves you. And I was like, right. I had to like sit there and like remember and internalize kind of what that means, you know, because I'm like, I used to say that yeah. all the time on my mission and, and, or, I don't know. It's just so something I so readily shared, but it's like, what does that actually mean to mm-hmm. love someone? Right. I think of lame is to, to love another person is to see the face of God. Like one of my favorite, favorite, favorite quotes. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So many fun things we've unpacked today. <laughs> um, we'll quickly, we'll quickly share an uplifting takeaway. This could be just something you're taking away from this episode. Yeah. I am uh, learning. I need to, explain my things better i think <laughs> no no i think you did a great job i just i'm like a five-year-old sometimes no but no no you did a great job it's fun it, and uh you know i'm hanging i'm gonna hang up here and you know i gotta get to my dissertation here and wow. um i need to develop this side of my brain where i can um be persuasive and evocative without using the humongo words you know and it's it's hard. It's a it's a challenge for me. It's hard to be but, smart, huh? I'm just kidding. No, that's well, true. Just, that's I'm not intelligence. <laughs> you know, that's right. That's that's being stuck in a rut. That's only, I've always that's heard like flexible. the true deep into like to really know something is to be able to explain it as simply as possible. Yeah. Which like you look at our apostles and prophets and and boy do they do that. It's really yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, I think I'm from go ahead. Oh, sorry. I just said I'm getting there. I'm working on it. Yeah, so. that's awesome. Good luck with all that. I think my little takeaway from today's episode is to to really remember relationships are everything and that should be my number one focus outward. Outward to others and whatever else in my life, who I need to become, what I need to be doing will fall into place. But with yeah. that, part of me is like, well, what about this race I want to do? And what about this things that I want to focus on for myself? You know, part of me is like, okay, how, do, how can I still let that be? So, yeah. 
I, honestly, secondary. Deep, deep down, you're going to have a good feeling about how you should take care of yourself. After my number one focus is others. After you stop. If, if you're hyper-focused on yourself, mm-hmm. let that go. Focus on others. And the, the richness of your own soul will start to emerge and you will become the person you've always wanted to be. Cool. I love it. So, so follow those instincts, those good instincts. To, trust, to, trust your gut. <laughs> yeah, I love this. Yeah, I needed yeah. this. And hopefully someone out there listening needed it too, because I, I hope I'm not alone in this. I definitely feel like I am on the other end of this spectrum. I have a long ways to go to get to the other side, but that's like, ultimately I want to live a life of service. And this is, this is kind of what that means. And now it's yeah. like, now I have a little bit more of the means to get there. So yeah. I really appreciate you diving into this with me today and sharing your passion. If you guys have questions, I'll put his social media up on my social media so you can check him out or ask him more deep philosophical questions, hear about his dissertation and all sorts of stuff because man, you're like a well of information here with this and it's re- it's really cool. So thank you. Well, thanks for having me. This was super fun. And uh, yeah, but anyone wants to bug me, um, let it rip. You never know what might happen. So. <laughs> True. Well, everyone have a great day. Um, my old tagline was spread the light and light the passion. Just go be passionate and have fun out there and focus on others. And we'll talk to you next week. See ya. Bye, everybody.